So if you have your Bibles, um, we're going to start out in Matthew chapter 1. Matthew is our starting verse for the next couple of weeks as we talk about Christmas. Matthew doesn't start the Christmas story out like Luke does, or he doesn't tell us about uh, doesn't get into the details. He starts it out with the genealogy of Jesus, tying God, tying Jesus throughout history. So he starts in verse 1. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And we talked about Abraham last week. And uh, what, what that tells us is that God is with us in all things. And even though God feels slow, because it took God a long time to give Sarah and Abraham their, their promise of Isaac, he wasn't slow, he was patient. And what that tells us and what Christmas reminds us is that God is with us. And he was with Abraham, and he is with all the genealogies that Matthew listed in verse 6 highlights the couple we're going to talk about today. And Jesse, the father of King David, David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Christmas is one of the clearest reminders that God is with us. Jesus was named Emmanuel. He shall be called Emmanuel, God steps in to human history to be with us, past, present, and future. It wasn't just a 30-year window in history. When Jesus came to earth, it had implications for the past, for the present, and for the future. And presently, right now, Jesus is in the room. He is here. Emmanuel, God is with us. Well, why is he here? Christmas not only is the reminder that God is with us, but it's when we celebrate God's plan, his salvation for humanity through his son, Jesus. That's what we're celebrating. We're not really celebrating like a birth. We're celebrating that at his birth came the salvation, God's plan for humanity. And even if you're not a Christian, I think everyone would agree something is wrong with humanity. We look at the wars that are that is going on, the violence that we've seen, the, the things that we see in, in the world right now. We're thinking, what is happening? Well, that's a result of the fallen world, and God has a plan, and his name is Jesus. And he has come to be with us and to save us. Salvation. Now, when I say salvation, most of us likely in this room think something like, Oh, that means I'm going to heaven. I said a prayer once and I'm born again. I'm saved. I am going to heaven. That is true. But that's not the full context of the word of salvation. Jesus, in fact, Jesus didn't come. He, he, I don't think he ever said to my knowledge, hey, I have come so that you could say a prayer and one day when you die, you'll go to heaven. No, he came announcing the kingdom. He said, the kingdom of God is what? Here. It is here. That was his primary message. You read the gospels. His primary is the kingdom. Salvation is here. And that word salvation, it comes from the Greek word sozo. Sozo salvation. And it does mean to be delivered from the bondage of sin. Because the, the, the word has kind of multiple meanings behind it. One is to be delivered from, from the bondage of sin, and it's divine. It's, it's from God. There's also the meaning of the word that you are rescued from danger. 
You, you couldn't save yourself. That There's this rescuing that keeps you from being in danger. You feel safe as a, a result of it. And it also means to be healed. And this word is translated mostly when we read it, it's salvation or the word saved, but it's been translated cured. It's been translated healed. It's been translated um, made well again, to be made well. And the sense of the word of sozo salvation is the sense of wholeness. That is the meaning behind it. it. was God didn't come to save us so we say a prayer. He came to give us a sozo experience. Salvation is the experience of God presently, the kingdom right here, right now. It is about heaven. That's one of the best parts is we're going to spend eternity with God, but you can have wholeness. That is what we're, when we celebrate salvation, we're celebrating the wholeness that Jesus brings. It's not just about this one day in heaven. It's about him right now. He is here, and this is what the Christmas story reminds us. No, God is present in your circumstances, in your hardship, in your loneliness, in your brokenness. Uh, God is present in your victories, in your blessings. That is the hand of of God on you. I want to to maybe illustrate more uh, of this word because I, I f- it's a little abstract. I feel like when we read scriptures, we get like an abstract feeling. So I want to to drill down a little deeper on the word sozo. So it's kind of three things: to be delivered from danger, to be rescued. Uh, from the bondage of sin, and to bring healing to your life. So it's just like God wants to fully restore your life. It's wholeness. It's about getting your life back. Salvation is not just, oh, I said a prayer, God forgave me my sin. That's awesome. He wants to do that. It's about getting your life back. Now, when I was 18 years old, I, I bought a 1972 Chevelle. It was pea green and it was rusted out now I didn't I don't have a photo of that but uh this this uh just to be real keep it there that photo I took that from Facebook or from uh, the internet but that's what my car looked like actually this is better because my car had rusted quarter panels 800 bucks for a 1972 Chevelle and it was pea green this one's like I guess rust, but I did have rust. I did have holes. Every quarter panel, the trunk was rusted out there. It it was just this brokenness of a car. And I drove by, it was on, I'll never forget it, on Yildricks Road in Battle Creek, Michigan. I was heading north and I seen it uh, on the side of the road. I'm like, I want that car. And it looked ugly. It was rusted out. It was broken, but I wanted that car because I could see the potential in it. I could see what it could become. I imagined like what it was, what, what, what the creators or the engineers of GM, I imagined like 72, this car was awesome. And nine, now, now I bought this, like, I think 1991 or 92, somewhere near is when I bought this car. Now my dad is a body man. Uh, he had a side hustle. He, he worked in the cement industry. He was, a, he was a, a cement truck driver. But he had a side hustle of uh, restoring cars. And he would take like a, he'd take these old broken down cars and he would take a year and restore them. 
And not only would he restore them, but he would make them better than the original. So this was what my dad did to the car. So I grabbed the photo of my dad. That's my dad. I, I don't know why. I took this photo. And this was the night after our, Jen and I's senior prom. And uh, dad helped me do that. That is what that car ended up looking like. It took me and my dad about a year. He's tinkering with the, uh, that's my mom's hand. I think she's saying, don't take a picture of me. Uh, I know my mom's body language. I'm pretty sure, don't take a picture of me, Mike. So I want to show you that car because doesn't that look a whole lot better than another photo? And when I bought that car, I had friends laugh at me. I'm like, oh, you don't see what I can see. Now, it isn't just about giving it a new paint job. It's about the experience of the car. It's doing life in this thing. It's driving this thing. It's, it's the time that I spent with my uh, dad in the garage. And this is what God means by sal sozo salvation is this experience where God sees us and he does save us from the salvage yard. He does, when we come to him and say, no, I am broken, he sees us, he rescues us, and then he starts a restoration process. And we are all still in process. None of us here are fully healed. None of us here are, have, have messed up so bad that God is out of reach. He can take us from what we feel like, I'm, in, I'm going to the salvage yard. My life is junk right now. And he takes and he sees potential. Now, there's a couple of barriers to sozo salvation. There's barriers. And depending on your barrier is going to depend on how you need salvation. So the starting point is our sin, right? Sin certainly is a barrier to knowing God. And even if you're a follower of Jesus and there's sin, habitual sin in your life, not the mess ups, but like the habitual sin, it puts a wedge between you and God and you feel like, oh, God's distant. Uh, the other is suffering, right? You might not be sinning, but maybe you've been sinned against. There's like suffering in your life. And this suffering is the healing the being made well, the restoration, the sozo salvation, and it's God's presence being in your life, in the midst of your suffering, in the midst of our brokenness, and he's healing you. And the moment you say a prayer for Jesus to come into your life, there is a healing effect that takes place. Most of us weep. You may have come to church today. And you just started weeping. You thought, why am I crying? It's God's presence. You are experiencing sozo. When we worship and we hear, we feel the presence of God. Now, Matthew tells us about David and Bathsheba. And I think this is a remarkable story to illustrate the sozo salvation. Because we know, most of us here know the story of David and Bathsheba. And it's sozos for them because it's past, present, and future. It is for us, but they mess up pretty bad. And God restores them and redeems them. So let's, let's read the story. If you have your Bibles, this is where we flip over to 2 Samuel 11. Why does, when Matthew tells us about King David, he doesn't just say it's the gene, he's from the genealogy of King David. It tells us that, 
he mentions the affair. It's kind of, if you read the genealogy in Matthew chapter 1, you see five scandals mentioned throughout the genealogy. And in ancient times, when you recorded genealogy, you never recorded the, a woman. It, when we talk about a man's world, ancient times was definitely, women were devalued. And so for Matthew to mention these scandals, he's highlighting God it can be in our mess. And he is for all. And he highlights David and Bathsheba. So verse 1 of chapter 11 says, In the spring at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's, uh, kings, the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites, besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Now, Uriah was one of David's 30 men. So, Uriah is a close associate to David. Then David sent messengers to get her. You know, when... When you start habitual sin in your life, it doesn't, it's a slippery slope. It's like the setting of the sun. You're still in the light. But as you remain in your sin, it gets darker and darker and darker. You start justifying your behavior. You're doing things that you normally wouldn't do. David was a man after God's own heart. How does someone go from someone who's a, a man after God's own heart to wanting to sleep with his best friend's girlfriend or his best friend's wife? It's like that song, Jesse's Girl. Like, what a bad song. You know, my sons, they love the 80s songs, and uh, it's nothing to do with the message. But when you listen to the 80s songs now, I'm like, oh, that's bad. Does anyone else, like, as, I don't know if it's because I'm a pastor or just because I'm older or, or I'm paying attention. I'm like, wow, dude, singing about, that's, a, that's wrong. He even wrote that song. Jesse's girl. Da, da. All right. Then David sent messengers to get her, and she came to him, and he slept with her. Now she was purifying herself from her monthly uncleanliness. Then she went back home, and the woman conceived... Now, I want you to notice that the writer of 2 Samuel even diminishes her name, the woman. So you have David, whose barrier is the sinner. And then we have Bathsheba, who has been sinned against. She's suffering. Now, Scriptures doesn't say this. She certainly has a part to play in it, but David is abusing his authority as king. And I, you know, I wasn't there. I don't know. I'm sure she felt this is the king asking for my presence. And she's probably thinking, I hope David isn't thinking what I'm thinking. She may have felt trapped. She, she may have went along. Maybe she was in love with David. You know, the scriptures don't tell us clear, but I think minimally, at a minimum, David was the leader. David used his authority and he abused it. And he used his power to pull in his friend's wife. 
So she says, I'm, I'm pregnant. So David sent his word to Joab, send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent him to David. And the rest of the story, we know how it goes. He tries to hide his sin. So he goes uh, from being a man after God's own heart to like stepping into, you know, probably justifying it. So I'm the king and Uriah would probably understand. I don't know. I don't think so. But uh, he, so he wants to cover it up. He doesn't want Uriah to know about this affair. And ultimately, he has Uriah murdered. He puts him on the, on the front lines of the battle. Sends him back to Joab because he tries to get Uriah to sleep with Bathsheba so he can cover his sin. Uriah's a godly man, says, there's no way that I'm going to do this when all my, when my brothers are out fighting for Israel. And he sleeps at David's doorsteps, essentially. So David feels trapped, and he's just going deeper and deeper. that for a transition all right and then verse 26 when so he gets killed and when Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead she mourned for him and after the time of mourning was over David had had brought her to his house and she became his wife and bore him a son but the thing look at where the Lord starts with it doesn't say David and Bathsheba he points it like, David, you're the one. The thing David had done displeased the Lord. And this is a barrier now between him and God. Sin becomes a barrier. But the Christmas message is about getting your life back. And I, when, I, when I use my imagination, I am thinking God is sending people to David before it ever happens. Then he goes down a slippery rope all the way to adultery, to cover up, to murder, and then taking his friend's wife for his own, as his own wife. Then God sends Nathan, the prophet, confronts David on his sin and he has a real moment with God. He realizes he sinned against God, he sinned against Uriah, he sinned against Bathsheba, and he's about to have a sozo salvation experience to be broke free from. And this is what Jesus came to do. David's story tells us there's nothing so great there's not sin so great that it's outside of our reach. So sozo salvation is this, the experience of God's power breaking the chains of sin. Now, when I was thinking about this, I, I Lord, how do I, how do I get sozo? Like, like the, and I, the only way I can think of it is, it's an experience of God's present power. That's what Christmas story it is. Sozo means there is this present power rescuing you. There's a present power, God with us, like he's with us. And even in the mess and even in our mistakes, there is the experience of God's power that breaks the chains, the bondage of sin over our life. 
And that comes through confession and forgiveness. It's the first step of our salvation experience. Sozo is experiencing God's presence to be forgiven. And David says this in Psalms chapter 51. This is a psalm recorded after he is confronted by Nathan and he repents. He says in verse 1 of Psalms 51, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgression. Wash away all my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Oh, I'm sure. David is going to be forgiven, but the consequence and the memory of what he does to Uriah and how he sins against Uriah and sins against Bathsheba. She's mourning, so she is suffering. He's like, this is always before me. And there's been mistakes in my own life where I've sinned and I have failed. When I've walked away from the Lord for about a three-year period, many things that I regret. And it had consequences. And it weighed on me. And, he, and in this moment, this is always before me. But verse 10, he, he says this. And this is the miracle of sozo salvation. Create in me a pure heart. Oh, God, renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Why? Because salvation is the experience of his Holy Spirit working. It's God with us. We usually say, I feel like when we say that, we're saying it in a trite way. We really don't like grab like, oh, no, the meaning is he is with me. He's in this room. He's in my heart. The kingdom of God is near, and David knows this. David is one of the, I think the only one in the Old Testament who acts like a New Testament believer. Talking about things like the Holy Spirit and knowing that God is present. He's saying, I don't want your presence taken from me. And he deserves, God is just. If you read the whole psalm, he tells him, God, you're just in your judgment, but I want you to act in your mercy. And he approaches him from his unfailing love, but do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. The first step to experiencing God, if you don't know him, is to acknowledge our sin. We are all broken. We are all sinful. But when you give your life to God, he breaks. When he's saying restore the joy and keep, he's saying break that bond, create in me a pure heart. What he's saying is I don't want the bondage of it anymore. And we know that God does this for him. And Matthew tells us about King David and mentions Uriah's wife 
as he's given the genius, the genius, because he's telling us past, present, future, God is with us and he is saving us the same way that he saved Abraham and Sarah, the same way that he is saving David and Bathsheba. The sozo salvation is experiencing the presence of God in your life right now from the bondage of sin like David. That's the first step is knowing him. You acknowledge sin, you ask God to forgive you, uh, and you receive that forgiveness. And that's why David's saying, I want the joy back. Because the sozo salvation experience is not just the prayer so you don't go to heaven. It's actually the release of the guilt and the shame that should mark your conscience. But God removes that mark. He works this healing effect on your soul, and he gives us a pure heart. Just ask the Lord if this is you. You ask the Lord, create in me a clean heart. I, I want a pure heart. I just spent this last week, every week, some every year, sometime in December or January. I take a week to get with the Lord, just to pray over what, like the past year and what God, what I might be sensing for God doing the next year in my life and the church's life. And um, one of the days last week as I was praying, uh, not because of a sin thing, but just because I want to live authentic before the Lord. I was praying, God, you know, if I could have one thing, it would be really, really a pure heart. It's what I want. I want purity in my life, in every part of my life, in my ministry, in my marriage, in my relationships. And I don't always do it well. I don't always say it right. But I want purity. I want a clean heart. That's the starting point, and you and I was experiencing God in that. But what God is, what David, here's what David's saying, restore to me salvation. Here's what he's saying, give me my life back. Think of salvation, if that's kind of the big idea. Salvation is getting your life back through experiencing God's presence. That's what salvation is. When you are saved, you get your life back. You get the joy of salvation. You get a brand new heart. God creates and called us a new person. And when you pray that prayer and you go to the Lord, you are a new person and you're experiencing that. Oh, you're ahead of me. I didn't say that yet. Did I? Say, throw that back up. That's my second point. <clears throat> Uh, I'll just move on. Salvation is also, so self, keep it up. Salvation is experiencing God's power to break the bondage of sins, but it is also wholeness. It's about getting your life back. So it is also experiencing God's healing power in your life, restoring you back to life, like that Chevelle, taking it from its bondage, its wreck on its way to the junkyard. And now there's this healing effect that takes place in my dad's garage as we slowly cut out the rust and put in a new quarter pan or we put in the new floor pans in, in, in the trunk. And we and all year long, standing, getting off the edge. And my dad, he's very meticulous. That's why that car looks so good. It wasn't me. It was my dad. We all know that. It's Really, and that's how the Lord is. It is not our own power. It is he is with us in the garage. And my dad... You know, he you know, bust his heart because he let me feel like I was doing it. And that's what God does. He lets you be the hero of your story, even though he's the power behind it. So he would, when I was staying in the car, my dad, he, he would feel like he could feel it looked 
flat to me or it looked right to me, but he could feel the wobbly of the bondo. Because when you put quarter panels in, you got to smooth, you got to transition those things. And uh, he's like, he would feel it. He said, can't you be, he said, put your hand on that. And he's agitated. I can't feel that. Dad, I can't feel that. He's like, wait, you can't feel that? And then put, put, put my hand on And he's like, and what he's doing is he's teaching us the way of the kingdom. And we get the feeling. We eventually get the intuitiveness of God. We eventually get like, oh, we're in process. He's teaching me like, oh, this is, this is a little wavy in my life right here. And he's seeing it. And he is the master. He is the one who empowers. He's the one who restores. And that's what so, sozo salvation is, is to heal us of our suffering because we maybe been sinned against like Bathsheba. Or maybe our heart is tied up in knots from a certain situation going on in our life. You're saved. You're not going to hell. It's not a sin thing. But you still need to experience salvation. It's not a one-time thing. You give your life to Jesus, and it is a lifetime experience of his presence. That's the Christmas story. It reminds us God is with us. It tells us he is healing us. I love the way the Apostle John says this. John 10, 9, this is the words of Jesus, says, I am the gate. And whoever enters through me will be saved, sozo. Sozo. He's saying we'll be whole. And Jesus, it's interesting, when Jesus talks about sozo salvation, he doesn't mention heaven. He makes it about this side of heaven. Enters through me will be saved, will experience sozo salvation. They will come in and they will go out and find pasture. The thief. So he tells us, this side of heaven, you have an enemy who wants you to suffer. And he tells us, only to steal, kill, and destroy. That's why it seems like the enemy is destroying your family or working against your own mind, and you can't get past the lies. You feel like you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're, and he says, and Jesus tells us, no, anyone who comes through me is going to experience wholeness they're gonna get their life back and Jesus says it I have come that they may have life and have life to the full this side of heaven when Jesus talks about so 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 salvation he isn't talking about saying a prayer so one day you experience heaven even though it's true and the best part I can't wait but I don't want to go yet even though I'm in a fallen, broken world, I love creation. I love our church. I love my family. I want to be here. And there is suffering. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life. And then more life. Here's what this means. He says, it puts the word, one of your translations says abundant life. I think the New King James. Abundant life. That is God's heart. Abundant life. Not just getting by life. It's where you get your life back. And then, once you get your life back, I'm going to take it from 72 P Green to Hot Rod Red Chevelle. Everyone's going to notice. That's the salvation experience. 
His presence does that. And when he does that, you become prophetic to the world around you and you don't even know it. They see the joy. They see the life. They see the healing. They say what's different about you. This is why we do the Awaken and Bloom events because this is what we get people to. Like, not We want to get you past thinking about heaven and hell. And that's the best part. You're not, you're not going to be separated from God. We know that. But you know there's something right now for you. You know the kingdom is here right now. And if that is true, there's implications. Because the kingdom of God is the very presence of God. The kingdom of God is God's activity among us. Emmanuel, God with us. And your life gets saved. People go to these events. They come up here. They talk about freedom. And if you haven't been to one, it scares you. But yet, you're like, how do they get so brave? Why is there this authenticity about them now? Sozo. The experience of God's power is a restoration in their life, a, a level of it. We're never fully healed. It's not an end-all experience. It's just a table we set to teach you how to hear God so you experience his presence and therefore changes who you are. Takes you from the junkyard takes you from salvage to salvation and you get your life back and then you get more life. Not just going to give it back to you. I'm going to make it better. I'm with you in your suffering. I'm with you in your brokenness. Last thought is this. Both forgiveness and healing Sozo is about forgiveness. It is about being set free from the bondage of our sin. But it's also about healing your life so you can experience life and experience Jesus' presence. We sang it this morning. Your goodness is running after me. We sang it. He, what was that last song? Reckless Love chases me down and it's true these aren't like the warm-up songs like the opening band of some act no these these are prophetic things we sing over our church and over our city and over our hearts because we believe there is an experience of God's presence so in Acts chapter 3 Peter and John go to the temple to pray they see a beggar who can't walk, and they tell him, hey, silver and gold, I don't have that, but what I do have, I give to you to stand up and walk, and he gets healed. This causes a big ruckus. He gets pulled before the religious leaders back in their day, the, the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, and, and they say, you know, stop preaching in the name of Jesus. And here's what they say. Now, the, the background is the healing of a beggar, not a salvation prayer but that God healed this beggar. And this is what they say to the Sanhedrin. Salvation, sozo, is found in no one else. So what they're saying, what this beggar experienced, they, they literally would have said the word sozo. Well, no, that's Greek. I don't know what it is in, in uh, Aramaic. But they would have known, they're, he, they're saying this beggar was healed, healed through Jesus. 
This salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name, no other name, no other religion. We don't get to make it up. This is under heaven, given to mankind, by which we must be, you could say it this way, healed. Delivered from my bondage of sin. Rescued from danger. Rescued from the salvation. You want your life back? Or you want your life to be experienced through the presence of Christ? It's found only in Jesus. Forgiveness and healing is only found in Jesus. That's what we are celebrating. That is the power Chris mass means to mass means mass like the gathering the celebration of Christ. This is what we are celebrating. Emmanuel. I hope this is getting deeper into your heart cuz it's not about presence on 25th of December. It is sozo salvation. So Maybe you feel like you're never close to God because there is something terrible or sinful in your life. Or maybe you're like Bathsheba and you're suffering right now. You're going through a hard thing. You don't know who you are. Jesus is here to save you. Christ will be with you. And he said, I've come. He said, I didn't, I, he didn't say, I've come to throw your sin back in your face. I have come that they may have life. I know that's what everyone wants. At the end of the day, I know that every heart wants freedom. This life where we're not bound by our sin anymore, the shame of the choices that we made that are shameful, but the shame is gone. That's why I can talk about the addiction of pornography or the addiction of drinking in those days so freely because it has no shame on me anymore because I've experienced the presence of Christ and been delivered from the thing that I could never get set free. He took the appetite away. Sozo. So that I could tell you, so you could tell others. That's what I know every person wants. The life he's come to offer. So why don't you bow your heads and and maybe for you this is about the forgiveness. I need to come to Jesus. I need to give my life to him. Or maybe it's you're suffering. You're going through a hard thing. It's not a sin thing. But your heart is tied up in knots. It doesn't feel like you're experiencing the life that Jesus came to give. And if either one of those are you, well, let's start here. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus or you've walked away from faith, but you're hearing this and something's telling you like, I need to return. I need to give my life to Jesus. I want the forgiveness. I want the pure heart. I want the new heart and I want the joy of salvation. If this is you, would you quickly just lift up your hand so I can pray for you? If that is you. Okay them up just for a moment. Okay, a couple of hands. 
I'm going to pray with you. We're going to all pray together first over that. So I just want you, if you lifted your hand, even if you're in the room, just repeat after me. Jesus, I recognize my sin, my brokenness, and I need forgiveness. So I decide today to give my life to you. I ask you to save me and forgive me of my sin. Create in me a clean heart and restore the joy of salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. If the second people I want to pray for, it's not that. It's just you're not experiencing the life that Jesus, you can keep your heads bowed, sorry. I'm just saying an attitude of prayer. You just need the abundant life to experience God's presence again. If that's you, I just want you to lift up your hands. And this is a posture of prayer, both hands. This is a posture of prayer. Many hands. You're not alone. Jesus, every person who said that prayer and every person who's lifting their hands, I pray an increase of life. I pray an increase of the Holy Spirit. I pray an increase of your voice. Father, I pray that they would encounter Jesus in their dreams. They would encounter Jesus in their conversations today and this week. And they would experience the life, the wholeness. Father, I pray for those who are here and it feels like their life has been robbed. I pray give them their life back. Give them peace in the midst of their situation, the difficulties that they're experiencing. Give them life even in that. I pray a blessing on them, Father. I pray because they're lifting their hands that you, even now, they're encountering your presence and your Holy Spirit, but I pray it lingers. And I pray it has a lingering effect outside of today. Lord, and when they get in the car, when they go back home, when they, when they get up tomorrow, there's this lingering effect of your presence. Empower them now, Father. Fill them with the Holy Spirit. We thank you for that salvation to experience you now in Jesus name.